Good morning. <clears throat> Thank you, Keith, for that. I feel like if I'm God's mouthpiece, that's my prayer this morning. I can just um, give, the, give the word correctly that he gave me to you guys. <clears throat> and with that being said, I believe God is a good communicator. And I appreciate Daryl um, teaching Sunday school class. And, and one of the mornings a couple weeks ago, I think, uh, he said, there is so much potential here in this class. There's so much potential for <clears throat> each and every one of us that God can work through us. And I, I look out over this congregation here, and even the visitors, and there's so much potential with each and every one of us if we allow God to use us. <clears throat> um, so while I believe that God is a great communicator, there's two things about God. He's a good communicator, and he is perfect. So when we have issues with communicating with God, who's the, who's the problem? It's me. It's generally me. Well, it's always me, actually, <clears throat> because God is perfect. And sometimes I, I, you know, I wrestle with the idea that why is God not giving me direction, or why is he not um, maybe hearing my prayer, or I'm struggling to connect with God. It's not his issue. It's my issue, because he's perfect, and he is a good communicator. We live in two worlds, <clears throat> the physical world, I should say we deal with two worlds. Physical world and we deal with the spiritual world. And they're always at battle. They're always at battle and constantly fighting against each other. And generally, I believe the flesh wins because we taste, we smell, we hear, we see, and we feel the physical realm. And so oftentimes that seems to win, especially with me. <clears throat> Over the past... Uh, I don't know, while, I've heard two comments, and I'm paraphrasing these comments. I kind of condensed the thought of the conversation that I was in and came up with these two statements. And the one first statement was, are we as a church radical Christians? Are we as a church radical Christians? And, you know, that made me think. And that wasn't exactly what was said, but that was kind of the, the way of the conversation. And that got me to thinking, are we radical Christians? We should be. But what does a radical Christian look like? And then the other one was, maybe we Americans need a little persecution in our lives to make us strong Christians, make us quote-unquote strong Christians. And that one bothered me because I'm thinking, why does it take persecution to make us strong Christians? Why does it take... And, you know, as I was thinking about that this morning, um, you know, in our Sunday class, we talk about Noah. And there's plenty of examples in the Old Testament where there were men of faith, men of God, that I don't think were persecuted very much, or if any. Um, we could say Noah was persecuted with the, with the um, well, we imagine he got, I don't know, not spat on, but like equivalent of that, um, hassled for what he was doing for, um, in preparation for the flood. And... So you can maybe call that persecution, but not, not straight up persecution. Um, and so that, that bothered me. But as I'm thinking about God being perfect and communicating with God, it takes communication to make a strong relationship, right? So this morning, I'm going to be talking about one of the tools that God gives us. And I call it a tool. You can call it a way. Um, there's many different ways we can connect with God through prayer, um, 
through church like this, through worship, through meditation. Um, there's so many different ways. And the way that I'm going to be talking about, it's often referred to with prayer, and that's fasting. Fasting and prayer are often combined together, but it's a way that you and I can build that relationship with God. So I want to be touching on fasting. In Philippians 3.19, you don't have to turn there. Verse 19 of chapter 3, Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. It's so easy that when we have a full belly, if I can say it that way, our needs are met, it's so easy to get relaxed. Um, I believe fasting was given to us Christians as a tool from God to connect better with God and place perspective on our relationships with God and us humans. Okay? So, three things that fasting includes. We're looking at fasting this morning. Three things that fasting includes um, is fasting for intercession, fasting for connection, and fasting for direction. Okay, so it might be all three of these. It might, you might focus on one more than the others, but it includes all three of these things. So if you're taking notes, those are the three things I'll be looking at. We have to be, also be willing to accept the answer from God, okay? It might not look like exactly like we had thought it might. Maybe Noah was praying for um, redemption for Christians, or maybe he was praying for a revival. Do you think he was maybe praying for that, but not looking for destruction across the whole earth, but he had to accept the answer from God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We have the story of Cornelius. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but I'm going to be diving into this um, whole chapter, or pretty much the whole chapter here. A little bit by section Starting in verse 1, I'll read the first five verses. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So this is a godly man. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. So this Cornelius is praying, and we don't know exactly what for, but he's praying to God. And God tells him to send two men to Joppa. So he gets two of his servants, or he didn't say, he said go to Joppa and look for Peter. So he sends two men to Joppa, with, along with a soldier that he has, and they go looking for Peter. It, might have been, it must have been quite a journey because I think it took him four days. And then we jump forward to verse 9, and we get a little capture of what Peter's um, doing. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry. So I believe this is a, what do you call it, not a non-intentional fast. He became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So maybe us men, when we come in and we're hungry from work, or we're hungry for whatever meal, and it's not quite prepared, maybe we need to hit the office or the whatever room separate, 
and start praying because maybe this is a good time to pray. Um, verse 11, and, and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descended on him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. So this is a very common story. Um, this is when God explains to Peter that unclean animals are safe to eat or are okay to eat. Um, and Peter rejected it. It says he rejected it three times. He said, nope, I can't have that. And I think he might have thought maybe this is the devil or maybe this is um, somebody trying to trick him. And he's like, no, this is, not, this is not what we're supposed to do. And he was explaining why. And when he said, you know, it is not common or, un- or it is common and unclean. And the voice spake unto him again and the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And I'm not sure that Peter quite understood exactly what happened, but Peter accepted it. Jumping down to verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear words for thee. So Peter gets up without too many questions and goes to Cornelius' Cornelius's house. When Peter arrives, Cornelius falls down and starts worshiping. He's like, no, I'm human just like you are. Um, stand on your feet. What, what can I help you with? And Cornelius goes on to say um, that he was praying. Um, and then Peter says, therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. And Peter explained to him what had happened. What had happened to Peter. Um, the vision he had got and then the, the two men that um, came to him. Therefore came I unto you without gain, saying, As soon as I w- was sent for you, I asked therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four, day ge- four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. So what was the prayer that was heard? When I was reading over this, that caught me. What was the prayer that was answered here? Um, and I think Peter all of a sudden started connecting the dots and understood what his vision was for. His vision all of a sudden came to light and he gets really, really excited. So in verse 34, he starts preaching. And I'm going to read 34 through 45. And this is Peter connecting the dots and explaining to Cornelius and even the others that came into the room um, what was happening. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So God does not care if you're a Jew or a Gentile or who you are. He is not a respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto, unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of Jews and in the, 
and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, now, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Here's the important part. To him give all the prophet witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. This is the first time the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. And they are the circumcision, circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I don't even know if Cornelius knew what he was praying for or what he was fasting for, but I think he was praying that he might receive something from the, from something special from God. And it just so happened that he was interceding for his own people, for the Gentiles, um, if you will. Isn't that amazing that I don't know if it took fasting, but in this case it did. I don't know if it would take fasting for you to intercede for somebody, but it's, it's definitely a way. And I think God wants you to say, you know what? I'm willing to give up something for somebody else, or I'm willing to give, give up something for our relationship. Um, and fasting is a, is a way you can give up your fleshly desires, whether that be uh, food or um, just something in general or something that you are tied to fairly, fairly closely. We have the second one, connection, fasting for connection. Um, and in Matthew 4, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to quickly read. This is, this is when uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days and was tempted of the devil. And this was right after he was done fasting. Get to this spot. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So he had been fasting for 40 days, and I don't know if he felt like God just wasn't quite there. The connection just didn't feel strong. But I would do know one thing, that he would have been weak. He'd have been really weak. And so I don't know if, if them ministering to him just gave his spirits, lifted his spirits, um, because we do know that Right after that, he started preaching, so he did have the strength to do that. And I'm sure that he had, I, I do know a few people that fasted for 30 days, I think it was 30 days, um, for a month. And they said, it is, you will not, there's no way to explain the connection that you have after that. But it is really, really tough. And I can imagine. And he said, you have to be really careful with your body. You definitely want a, uh, a doctor involved um, to do some physicals. But... They said the, the, the connection they had with God that opened up after that, um, they don't think they would have had it otherwise. And I don't know, I, I'd like to try that sometime. I know with carrying a job, it is hard. But I would, if I can stay in here and try to challenge any of you, um, in preparation for this, I don't have too many personal stories on fasting because I have not um, maybe done it all that much or have not done it all that much. But in preparation for this, I did do some fasting. And I did, I did do some partial fasting for four days um, for meals. And I think that was the longest stretch I did was five days. Um, but it is amazing what God can do through fasting um, and the connection he can give. Um, 
when we, I just have written down here, when we fast, how do we make this intentional and follow God's idea? How do we make this intentional? Um, if you're taking notes, maybe just in your head, but if you're taking notes, let's take the word fast and write it vertically. Um, so you'll have F-A-S-T. And then for the first word, if you're going to be fasting, I'd like to, you to think about these acronyms. Um, this might help you try to stay intentional. So with F, it's going to be focus. So you're going to focus on God and focus on what you might want to accomplish when you're fasting. So you're going to fast for intercession. Are you interceding for somebody? Are you wanting to grow your connection with God? Um, are you wanting to find direction in some, something in your life or some way? Um, so you're going to focus on God and you're going to focus on this uh, certain thing that you want to fast for. When us couples uh, go on a date, what do we do? We set aside time to build that relationship. Um, a date doesn't do much good if we go different paths and, and uh, do our own shopping or you name it. Like that, You kind of miss the point. But we go and try to intentionally spend time um, with each other. Same thing with a vacation. When you go on a family vacation, what are you doing? You're setting some abnormal time away to build those relationships, um, connect better. So we need to remember to focus on God. And then we need to abstain. So A is abstain. We take something out of our normal life to create a hole or, um, yeah, we need to make it hurt just a little so that we are reminded or that we create a hole. Um, and then we need to substitute, S, we need to substitute that time, that hole that we created with time with God. Um, have that date with God. Uh, build that connection with him through prayer, through meditating. Um, and then T is taste and see that the Lord is good. These are not my um, ideas. I did not come up with all these. I did get this from um, somebody else. But taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is when we get our answer. This is when we feel God's presence. We take time, or um, we feel God's presence and peace in our lives. So whatever answer we, we get from God, we feel that peace and we taste that he is good. Um, the next portion of scripture is found out of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And this is a story this is an amazing story, too. Um, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah, and he finds himself in a predicament. He's got three different enemies coming after him to destroy him. And let's just get into the story. Um, we, need, we need to continually ask God for direction. We often, I often, want to do it my own way. Um, so I need to continually ask God for direction. So if we're fasting for direction, um, Jehoshaphat here finds himself in a predicament and he needs to know what to do. He needs to know where to go. So um, smartly, he goes to the Lord and he focuses on God. came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, starting in verse 1, and the children of Ammon and with them other beside, and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. 
when there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And that was the Dead Sea he was talking about. And behold, they be in, uh, I'll just say, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So they need direction. So they bring their focus to God. And Jehoshaphat says, you know what? We need to fast about this. We need to, we need to come to God in a serious manner. <clears throat> um, jumping ahead in verse... So, that, so Jehoshaphat prays through verse uh, 5 through 12. And then starting in verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. So they abstained from food, and they prayed to God. And now we get the answer. Now God reveals himself. And I don't know, I guess I didn't look to see how long they fasted. But that's not important. They, we do know they fasted. Um, God sends the word, not through Jehoshaphat. He sends it through, Then, starting in verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, which is a Levite, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I found it really intriguing that Jehoshaphat worshiped the Lord before anything even happened. He got, he got the answer. But he worshiped the Lord before the battle even took place. But I think he knew that since he got a word from the Lord, um, I don't know if you, sometimes you get that feeling that you're kind of indestructible. Um, you got the Lord on your side, or maybe you've got, um, you're playing football and you've got the three biggest men on the, t on the field, and you're, you feel a little indestructible. Um, probably none of you felt that. I don't know. I, I, I have. I felt that way before. You feel like um, you can go out and conquer anything. Maybe he felt that way, and so he worshiped the Lord with his answer. Um, jumping down to verse 23. For the, uh, let me back up just a little bit. So the way God had them win this battle was he had them stand there and sing. And it confused, I don't know if it was in, like I'm sure if you look in the history, um, some of the stories in, in the Bible times when they're confused like that, God used the cliffs or something like that to create a, I'm thinking of um, Gideon. He used the jars, and he smashed the jars and created a loud noise and confusion in the camp. So maybe he used something like that, but we do know that they sang, and it created confusion, and so the people just started killing them. All the enemies just started killing themselves in this one valley. So here in verse 23, it has the children of Israel coming up to see what had happened. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants, of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked onto the multitude, and behold, 
they were dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. Can you imagine the scene? Like you, you expect to face the enemy and you come up there and everybody's just dead, like God just destroyed everybody. Um, maybe that's really gruesome for you to really, really picture your mind, but it is amazing. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, and they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. So here they tasted and see, saw, they tasted and saw that God was good. Um, and, and, and we would like all our stories to, out, to be the outcome of us becoming filthy rich like they were here. Um, it says that it took them three days to claim the spoil. But I feel like we need to accept God's answer like Jehoshaphat did when he worshiped God before he even knew the outcome um, of exactly what was going to happen. He just knew that the Lord was on his side. Um, Verse 28, and they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets into the house of the Lord, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. It's just an amazing story of how fasting created peace and strength and a great connection with the Lord. Um, If we fast in reverence of his truth, and fasting we are saying to God, our spiritual need is greater than our physical discomfort, and the supply for both comes from you alone. Um, I just, I see the potential here, and, and it bothers me when I, when I think that, man, I, I just can't feel God's connection right now. Um, so what am I doing to change that? And... I don't know if, I hope you could glean something from this message. I hope that you could pull something out of this message. But I know I have been, if, if it hasn't changed any of you, or if it, ha, if it won't change any of you, I know it's changed my life. And just, just studying for it and understanding that there is definitely a deeper walk that we can walk with God if we are willing to sacrifice, take a sacrifice. Because God is perfect and he is a good communicator, so therefore we will hear from him if we allow him to and if we listen right. Um, why don't we just bow for a word of prayer and then Keith, you can close. <clears throat> Dear God, just thank you for this day. And God, we thank you that you are a good communicator to us. Um, we see it all throughout history, especially in the Bible, the stories that pull out um, who you are and that you are perfect and that um, we can just thank you for the ability to have a relationship with you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and the way that you can connect with us. God, we pray that each and every one of us would strive to have a better connection with you and that we would continue each and every day to um, seek your will, your will for our lives, Lord, and that we would seek direction and desire a deeper connection, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.